Hey, uh, if you are tuning in with us online for the first time, or if you're sitting in here with us for the first time, my name is Michael. I am the worship pastor here at Bachelor Creek, and we are glad to have you here. Our lead pastor is um, guest preaching somewhere else today and then preaching all week for a CIY somewhere. So keep in your, him in your prayers this week because he will be a busy boy. All right? Before I get going too far, I just want to thank you all for your prayers, for your words of encouragement, your, your kindness, your willingness to do what we might need uh, at this point in time uh, to be quite honest with you we just really didn't know what we needed either so um, thank you for that um, Cheryl's heart attack caused me to really think hard about the human heart why does it beat how does it beat what keeps it beating have you ever pondered that have you ever thought about What's the power source, right? If I, were, if I were really smart and I had the capability to build a walking, talking robot and put it up here on stage for you all to see and admire, um, I would have to do a few things, right? I would have to first um, somehow connect it all so it just didn't fall apart or fall over. I'd somehow have to mimic... Um, muscle and tendon and, and things like that, um, uh, I, I would have to give it a voice, you know, to say things that I wanted it to say, to program it. Um, uh, I, I would want it to be able to maybe offer a, a friendly greeting and shake your hand. That'd be cool, right? But I would have to power it in some way. I would have to let it have the ability to move around so I don't want to have a cord that plugs into the wall, I would have to have a battery of sorts, right? I need to, it to function like a heart. Why does it beat? How does it beat? What keeps it beating? Now, in today's society, um, the answers uh, to that are depending on where you are. If you are at school, there is an answer that they want to tell you is a fact, um, but it is unproven. But we are not at school. We are at church. And here, the answer to that question is always God. Now, we are in a sermon series called Hey Siri. We named it this because we ask all kinds of questions to Siri or Alexa, or in my case, both. I carry Siri with me in my pocket, and I have Alexa at home. The other day, I, I asked Siri a question, um, and she didn't give me a direct answer, but she said, check out this on the web. And I made the comment to her, I said, you are not as good as Alexa. And she said, that's not very nice. <laughs> she really did. So I looked it up on the web, and I wanted to find out some questions. You know, people ask questions to Siri all the time. You can find a, a really long list. I picked out five, so here we go. Hey, Siri, is Santa Claus real? You've been wanting to know this, right? Her answer, that's something I'm not allowed to disclose. I mean, disclose. Be careful, you don't want to end up on the naughty list. 
Hey Siri, what is zero divided by zero? Her answer, imagine that you have zero cookies and you split them evenly among zero friends. How many cookies does each person get? See, it doesn't make sense. And the cookie monster is sad that there are no cookies and you are sad that you have no friends. <laughs> it's a good answer, right? Another question, hey Siri, what are you scared of? Her answer, I'm afraid I can't answer that. That's clever. All right. Something that my brother and I fight over a lot. So, hey Siri, Windows or Mac? Her answer, I'm pretty loyal to Apple. It's just how I'm made. Where's the drummer when I need one? It's just, it's, it's, all right. Hey Siri, why did Apple make you? They wanted to make you happy was her answer. Last question. Hey Siri, how was the world created? Her answer, it starts with a big bang. Ooh. Yeah, that's going to be our question for the day. How was the world created? Well, let's begin at the beginning. Would you please stand with me for the reading of God's word? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. God called the vault sky, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years. And let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give, them, give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, a greater light to govern the day and a lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures, and let birds fly across the earth, across the vault of the sky. 
So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems and that moves about in it according to their kinds. Every winged bird according to its kinds. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, according, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to the, all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything of life in it I give every green plant for food and it was so God saw all that he had made and it was very good and there was evening and there was morning the sixth day would you be seated five words in the beginning God created drop the mic walk off the stage because that's all that needs to be said, right? God created. And if the world would accept that, I would be done. But since the world is relentless in its propensity to eliminate God from the discussion, I'm going to keep going, all right? You know what? I love to go to the movies. Um, the last movie that I went to go see was the new Jurassic World movie. Um, by the way, if you ever want to go see a scary movie, take Kelly Schenkel with you. You will enjoy the movie much better. <laughs> anyway, Jurassic World. And, and I knew that I was going to cringe during certain parts when they started talking about dinosaurs and they started talking about the 50 million years between dinosaurs and man or whatever number they used. Uh, and they were going to talk about what the dinosaurs evolved into and... Um, the evolution of the dinosaurs. Face it, you can't go to a movie, you can't read a book, you can't go to school or almost anywhere and not hear opposing views and the ideas of creation, of life itself. The theory of evolution is taught in our schools, not as theory, but as fact. So, let's talk about theory. Here are some definitions I looked up. First one, theory. 
used to say that something seems to be true or possible as an idea, but may not actually be true or possible. Now, second one. A theory is a carefully thought out explanation for observations of the natural world that has been constructed using the scientific method, which brings together many facts and hypotheses. Now, I wanted to include this definition because this is supposed to help you have more confidence in the idea of theory, such as the theory of evolution. They are attempting to explain that they use the scientific method to produce such a theory. So, I decided to look up what the scientific method was, right? It only makes sense. Here we go, scientific method. The first step of seven steps in the scientific method is to ask a question. All right, when you're talking about creation, the first thing that you have to do is you have to ask a question before the question. Because the question becomes, is there a God? Is God real? Because if God is real, there's no purpose in going anywhere else. God created. But if you start out with the presupposition that there is no God, then you have a question that has merit. So, let's begin. How did life begin? Okay, so far, the first step in the scientific method is done. Let's go to the second step. Perform research. Okay, now if I were to perform research on how life was created, I guess first I would look at current life. How does it function? How does it work, right? How, how do we know how that happened? Well, then I would look at history and all the known uh, scientific evidence there is of creation. But that would be the limit of what I could research because whether you believe in an old earth or a young earth, there is no way to observe how the earth began scientifically. Scientific research is observing what is known, not on postulation. Some might ask, okay, well, what about the fossil records that have been found to support the transition between one species and another? Okay, well, let's talk about that. We have had a lot of news coverage uh, in the past to tout such discoveries with great celebrations to say, we were right all along. But when such discoveries are proven to be a hoax, there's tremendous silence. Now listen to me. To date, there is no scientific discovery to prove one species evolved into another. None. Stephen Gould, a professor of geology and paleontology at Harvard University, wrote, All paleontologists know that the fossil record contains precious little in the way of intermediate forms. Transitions between major groups are characteristically abrupt. Dr. Jonathan Wells wrote the book of Icons of Evolution. The book subtitle reveals his conclusion, why much of what we teach about evolution is wrong. Now, let me say here that I believe in evolution, but understand that there are two types 
of evolution. There is macroevolution and there is microevolution. Macroevolution is jumping from species to species. It is what Darwin is trying to sell us. Microevolution has most definitely happened. It's why we all have certain characteristics. Skin color, the shape of our eyes, the build, our height, anything. I remember my daughter, when she was uh, in grade school, she interviewed a Greek officer on one of the cruise ships that I was working. Uh, he explained to this blonde-haired, blue-eyed girl that his people once had those same characteristics, blonde hair and blue eyes, until they were invaded by the Turks. Slowly, the dark hair and dark eyes of their invaders became the norm for the people of Greece. That is microevolution. It happens every day. It happens every time a child is born. Okay, the third step of the scientific method is an easy one. Establish your hypothesis. Now, that hypothesis could be outlandish as you want to make it, such as a Big Bang. But that always begs the question of who created the Big Bang. You could start out with a primordial ooze. That's hard for me to say, sorry. Primordial ooze with no form and turn it into man. The hypothesis can be whatever you want it to be. All right, step four. Test your hypothesis by conducting an experiment. So, this is what they did. You see the problem, don't you? There is no experiment that they can conduct scientifically to show you that life can be created in accordance with their hypothesis. Any kid at the science fair would get a failing grade if this is what they presented. Because of that, everything following the hypothesis in the scientific method is supposition, theory. It might have happened this way. There is no step five, make an observation, because there is no experiment to observe. There is no step six, analyze the results and draw a conclusion because there are no scientific results to the experiment you couldn't conduct. Then, if you perform step seven anyway, which is what they did, present the findings, you are presenting results you did not analyze because you had no way to observe an experiment you had no way of conducting. Did that go too fast? William James said... There is no idea so absurd that if repeated often enough, it will eventually come to be believed. Let me repeat that. There is no idea so absurd that if repeated often enough, it will eventually come to be believed. Evolution has been repeated so many times that anyone who challenges its validity is often considered ignorant or uninformed. Dr. Richard Dawkins, an Oxford zoologist, is one of the most recognized proponents of Darwinism. He says, 
If you meet somebody who doesn't claim to believe in evolution, that person is ignorant, stupid, or insane. He went on to say, by the way, that he particularly like, dislikes creationists because they are intolerant. Yeah, okay. The fact of the matter is, is there are many reputable scientists that reject the theory of evolution. We have already mentioned Professor Stephen Gould and Dr. Jonathan Wells. Dr. Henry Zuhl, a PhD in biology, says, DNA evidence illustrates God's handiwork of design in a powerful way. Dr. Walter Veith, a PhD in zoology, said this, for most of my academic career, I was committed to evolution, and I presented the theory of evolution to my students as an established fact. And my change of view was not instantaneous, not emotional, but it was the result of a long, hard road in search of truth. Now I believe the facts support the concept of origin by design. Dr. Ben Clausen a PhD in nuclear physics, said, I accept the creator God of Scripture because scientific data seems to require a supernatural element, an intelligent designer. The fact is that it takes more faith to believe that nothing became matter than it does to believe a creator created life. But, Let's be transparent here, okay? There is no science to prove the theory of evolution, but there is also no way for me to prove to you that the God I worship created the universe. But I do believe that there is more evidence that points to a creator than the evidence that we evolved by grand accident. Evolution would propose that we adapted out of need though there is no explanation of why the very species that we supposedly evolved from is still here, unevolved. Evolution would tell you that dinosaurs were gone millions of years before man became, well, man, just like they said in the movie. But there are many writings from many cultures that speak of what we would call dinosaurs, including the Bible, though it never actually uses the word dinosaur. Instead, it uses a Hebrew word called tanian, which is translated a few different ways in our English Bible. Sometimes it's sea monster. Sometimes it's serpent. It is most commonly translated as dragon. The tanian appear to have been some sort of giant reptile. These creatures are mentioned nearly 30 times in the Old Testament and were found both on land and and in water. In addition to mentioning these giant reptiles, the Bible describes a couple of creatures in such a way that scholars believe the writers may have been describing dinosaurs. The behemoth in Job chapter 40, if you haven't read it, make sure you read that, is said to be the mightiest of all God's creatures, a giant whose tail is likened to that of a cedar tree. Now, some Scholars have tried to identify the behemoth uh, as either an elephant or a hippopotamus. 
Others would argue that both the elephant and the hippopotamus have very skinny tails, not to be compared to a cedar tree. Dinosaurs like the Brachiosaurus and the Diplodocus, on the other hand, had huge tails, which could easily, easily be compared to a cedar tree. Nearly every ancient civilization has some sort of art depicting giant reptilian creatures, petroglyphs, artifacts, and even little clay figurines found in North America resemble modern depictions of dinosaurs. Rock carvings in South America depict men riding diplodocus-type creatures and amazingly bear the familiar images of triceratops-like, pterodactyl-type, even Tyrannosaurus Rex-like creatures. Roman mosaics, Mayan pottery, and Babylonian city walls all testify to man's transcultural, geographically unbounded fascination with these creatures. Accounts like those of Marco Polo's Emilion mingle with the fantastic tales of these creatures guarding um, uh, great treasures. In addition to the substantial amount of anthropic and historical evidences for the coexistence of dinosaurs and man, there are physical evidences like the fossilized footprints of humans and dinosaurs found in both North America and West Central Asia. That evidence alone should silence the evolutionary theory. But if you want more evidence to support creation, I like to think about the peacock. Some of you are saying, what? Think about it. If, if evolution says that, that we advance our species by physical transformation, by becoming physically more adept, why is the peacock so beautiful? Why does it look the way that it does? Each one is unique as if hand-painted. Other evidences include the human eye. It is so complex in its function that there is no way that this occurred by accident. Darwin himself confessed that it was absurd to propose that the human eye evolved through spontaneous mutation and natural selection. There's more. Let's consider emotions. Why? Because I feel like it. Emotions, feeling of love and anger, relief, frustration, anxiety. These can be so strong that many of us are on medications to attempt to control our emotions. I actually tried that once. Uh, you know, most of you have seen me start to cry in the middle of a song. I cry at movies. I cry reading a book. I, I cry watching Hallmark movies with Cheryl. I hate to admit that. Sorry, guys. Um, but I, I just, my emotions run rampant. But when I was on the medications, all of that disappeared, including feelings for my wife. So as soon as I recognized what was going on, I got off the medication, let my emotions run free. Emotions are a gift, a gift from God. There's no way to explain 
why we would have something that could control you so completely in an evolutionary world. Now, before I go on, I know that sometimes anxiety medicine can absolutely save your life. So don't take my response as something that you should do without talking to somebody. You want more? We are creative. We are endowed with creativity. Inventions, art, drawings, paintings, movies, plays, music. Even if you think you're not creative, if you really think of it, you've come up with ideas about your own interests, your house, your, your whatever it is, your hobbies. We dream. We dream at night, crazy things that we have no control of. We also daydream. We love, we fight, we get even. We have superpowers. We dream about impossible things. And I would tell you that our creativity absolutely points to being made in the likeness of a creator. Then there's the most fantastic evidence of all. We have a conscience, an internal moral compass that points to God. Whether you believe there is a God or not, you still possess this sense of right and wrong. Even those who shout at the top of their lungs that um, their actions are good and true, they still have a sense of right and wrong. They need to convince you so that they, their own decisions just don't crush them. Helen Keller could not see, she could not hear, so there was no outside influence prejudicing her. There was no communication she could have with the outside world other than touch. But if you remember the story, her teacher, Annie Sullivan, broke through the communication barrier by pumping water into one hand and spelling water in the other. As soon as the breakthrough occurred, Helen started to learn rapidly. She actually had a brilliant mind. One day, her teacher commuted to Helen by saying this, today, I want to talk to you about God, the God who created us. Now, this was the first time that Helen had heard or felt anything about this comment. And her answer was, good. I've been thinking about him for a long time. You know, it's not difficult for us to believe in God. There are evidences all around us, and there is something within us that say, yes, this is good, this is right, this is true. The Bible explains it this way in Ecclesiastes 3.11. It says, God has set eternity in the hearts of man. In other words, God has made it so that we instinctively believe in his existence. The Bible says in Psalm 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God and the skies declare the works of his hands. Let me read to you another account of creation, can I? John 1, 1 through 5. And this is beautiful. I've always loved this passage. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, 
all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Memorize that. It's beautiful. John is introducing Jesus as Messiah, yes, but he's also introducing Jesus as one with God. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Jesus, creator. So let's talk about Jesus. You know, 2,000 years ago, this man set foot on our planet and claimed to be from a place beyond space and time. He had no credentials or political backing, but his life and words changed our world forever. While most people simply fade into the history books, Jesus is still the focus of thousands of publications, documentaries, and media controversy. Two billion people today claim to be his followers Yet many people still wonder who the real Jesus is. Was he a real person? Although some skeptics have claimed that Jesus is a myth, historians acknowledge that he was a real person. In fact, nine non-Christian historians and writers mentioned Jesus within 150 years of his death. The same number who mentioned the Roman emperor Tiberius Caesar. Over 5,800 New Testament manuscripts tell us about Jesus' life and words. That's far more than any other person in ancient history. New Testament scholar John Robinson concludes that the New Testament was originally written while eyewitnesses of Jesus would have still been alive. Regarding the reliability of the accounts about Jesus, he states... The wealth of manuscripts and above all, the narrow interval of time between the writing and the earliest extant copies make it by far the best attested text, say that 10 times fast, the best attested text of any ancient writing in the world. Jesus was a real historical figure. His teachings have been an influence on our society for thousands of years and whether you believe who he is, who he claimed to be, is up to you. Jesus, the creator. I'm going to say something here that you may not like because some of you like to ride that fence, but there is a line in the sand drawn here. If you believe in God, you believe in creation. If you believe in the theory of evolution... You do not believe in God. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we just want to tell you that we love you. Father, we want to thank you for all the things that you do for us because they are many. They are awesome. They are true. Father, we want to thank you for the evidences all around us. We want to thank you for, for ways that you reveal yourself to us on a daily basis, but you have revealed yourself to us as we look back on our life and see how you've carried us, pushed us, pulled us, done all the things that you do that only you can do. 
Father, we want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you for the way that, that it's written. We want to thank you that you are God creator. Father, we want to thank you for the love that you just seem to pour out on us. What an awesome God you are. And your creation doesn't stop. Father, I thank you for the family that you just created for me. Both at home and right here in this room. Father, we want to thank you for Jesus. Jesus, creator. We want to tell you this morning that we love you and offer ourselves to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.